Lord, we thank you. Your faithfulness never fails us. You come through always. We want to thank you for that. Lord, we lift our eyes to you knowing that our help comes from the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort. I pray that you would heal. I pray that you would encourage as well faith up inside of us that you've got our back. That you are faithful to the very end. Jesus, I'm so grateful for your word. And now as we turn our attention to this letter that Paul wrote to this church in Colossae, I pray, Lord, that these ancient words, that they would ring true today in our lives. Encourage us through your spirit, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can have a seat. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. listen to that for a while. It's pretty peaceful. Reminds me of Easter. Reminds me of spring. You know, I, I, I guess at first service it kind of dawned on me. I think, I think I'm feeling this way because I think it's finally sinking, starting to sink in that, that in, you know, about two months I'm going to be a grandpa. Now that is just really, I mean, you know, yes, now, that means nothing about how old I am, okay? You know, nothing about, about my age. But, you know, m- my daughter called Sarah yesterday, and it, 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 it actually, for her, it's starting to sink in, too, that, oh, my goodness, when this baby is here, my life's never going to be the same. You know, it, 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 it kind of, like, hit her like a ton of bricks, I think, yesterday or in the last week. We're never going to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. You know, the, the spontaneity of life is kind of kind of go away because we have this other person that we're responsible for that we have to take into account w- with all of our plans. And, <laughs> you know, that can be a difficult thing for someone who is, you know, 24 years old and never had that before. Uh, this, this morning we're, we're going to look at the book of Colossians. And, uh, and a question that I think the book of Colossians answers is, what is going to be our response when life gets tough? When things get difficult or life changes? What is, how are we going to respond to that? What are we going to stand on when we go through things like that? Uh, you know, when experiences are new. It can put us in a precarious position when we experience something new and different because we don't know how to act or or what to do or what kind of decision to make. And what we generally do in life is we fall back on what we know already 
or we fall back on asking other people around us, hey, what do you think about this? Or you've experienced this. What did you do? Etc., etc., etc. And I think Paul would say, that's not where you want to go. Where we want to go is God's Word and, and what He says and, and, and His truth. He's driving home, essentially, Paul is, in, in this book of Colossians, the need to have a foundation in life. The need to have a very strong root system that supports the rest of, of our life. Now, I was with, with my son, and uh, it was sixth grade science camp, and we were at the YMCA of the Rockies, and, and our instructor for this particular hour was talking about the ecosystem of the mountains and was talking about ponderosa pine trees and going through all of the things about the needles and the stuff, what the stuff is called underneath it. And then she started talking about the root system, and she said the, that the roots on a ponderosa pine can extend out below the surface up to 150 feet, half of a football field. And you know, when we look at trees, we, we just look at the, the top and the, the prettiness of them and the greenness of them. We don't often think about what's under the ground. And, and a ponderosa pine will send a taproot about, about 10 to 30 feet, and then all of the other roots extend out beneath the surface. And what are they looking for? Nutrients and water. Around here, probably, you know, more specifically water. And we know, as, as living in an agricultural uh, part of the world, that if we see a tree out in the middle of nowhere, and all of the grass is dead around it, and it is green and flourishing, we know what? That it has some hidden secret source of water. You know, the psalm says, that we are to be like trees planted by streams of water. That, 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 that we send our roots deep and, and so that when the wind does blow, when things do get harsh, when, when the weather turns bad, that we can still stand strong in the midst of whatever is going on around us. Now, conversely, the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy at one point in time was going to fall over. It was inevitable. Um, the, the report that I read, and I'm not sure how old this is, there wasn't a date on it, but this is what the scientists were saying at the time. I'm, I'm guessing this was probably in the 1990s possibly or the 80s that this was written. It says that they report that the 179-foot tower moves about one-twentieth of an inch a year and is now approximately 17 feet out of plumb. So its, its top is, has, has leaned 17 feet in one direction. At the time of the writing of this, they further estimated that by the year 2007, the 810-year-old tower will have leaned too far and will collapse onto the nearby land where scientists now gather to discuss their findings. Now, I haven't heard anything about it falling, and the reason for that is they've gone in, actually, and, and supported it underneath with concrete pillars, and they've filled the bottom of it with, with concrete, and I read this morning that you can actually go there and visit it now, and, you can, and they'll let you go up in it, so they have stabilized it to the point where it's not going to fall over, but there was a time when it was going to fall over. Now, there are a couple reasons for that. One reason is the word Pisa actually means marshy land. 
they built it on marshy land. And the foundation of the Leaning Tower of Pisa is ten feet deep. Ten feet is all the foundation that it has. So it didn't get down to anything bedrock to, to where it would have a solid foundation. They strengthened its foundation. They strengthened its roots, so to speak. And that's what Paul's going to be teaching us throughout this book of Colossians. Colossians 2, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 is going to be our main theme and our memory verse. And, and we're, going to, we're going to, next week we'll repeat it together. And I would encourage you to memorize these two verses if you haven't already. So then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now this letter that Paul wrote, it was written in about A.D. 60. It was written as Paul was in prison. Uh, he wrote this from prison. He was in chains. Uh, he really doesn't surprisingly mention that a lot in the letter. Well, he, he mentions a little bit at the end of, of a couple of the guys that are in there with him who are imprisoned, but... But for the most part, the letter is about two things. It's about the Colossians and how they're living and, and him encouraging them, and it's about Jesus Christ. Um, the, the city of Colossae, uh, as you see up here on the map, and it, I don't have a point or anything, but it's right up there, okay? And if you, if you see this, this was the first missionary journey of Paul, and you see where the lines went and where he went. You see that he didn't, he didn't go to Colossae. In fact, the, the title of the message is a letter from a famous stranger because Paul never actually set foot himself in Colossae. If you look at verse 4, uh, verse 4 of chapter 1 right there, it says, because we have heard of your faith. Not because we experienced or, or we saw it ourselves, but because we heard of it. And then if you look at verse 7, Paul says, you learned it from me. You learned this gospel. The truth that you know, you learned this from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. You see, it's all about the body of Christ. And it's all about every person being a different part in that body. And, and, and Epaphras was a different part of the, of the machine, if you will, that was looking at spreading the gospel in Asia Minor and, and all throughout Cappadocia and Galatia and all of those other places that, that Paul went where, where people believed and their lives were changed. But Paul never went to Colossae. Paul never went there, but his influence did. It takes many parts of the body. And when I looked at the, the, the missions team report that's going to be presented at the annual meeting in, in about an hour, um, I was excited. I was encouraged. It made me smile. And here is why. You know, you think, you think that, that you only have influence in, a, in the lives of a few people around you. That's wrong. See, you are a, an attender, a member of the family of God that is North Hills, that, that meets in this building, that, 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 that sacrifices money each week, and 21% of what we give goes to the financial support of missionaries all over the world. 
And, and as I was looking at the report, I was reading countries like the Czech Republic and Spain and South America and Haiti and Mexico and Canada and North Africa and the Cameroon, which is central western Africa, and China and, and many places throughout the United States, college campuses and, and other organizations that, that we support, not just financially, but in prayer. So here's the thing. If, Think of, really, have you ever thought about the fact that, that you are a part of, of, a, of a ministry, of a mission that is reaching every continent on the planet? Because you are. God is doing amazing things through us. Just like Paul didn't physically set foot in, in, in Colossae, the influence, his influence, his teaching of other people and their going brought the good news of the gospel to them. And that's exactly what's happening with us. Uh, we heard from, from Terry this morning, and what, what an amazing thing that, that, a, that a Christian school for missionaries would say, you know what, we don't care what people, what kids believe. They can come here if their parents will send them here. We're not changing how we teach. We're not changing what we say. But if they want to come here, they can. And, and what is amazing to me is, is there's 21 countries represented there, right? So, so some of those children from 21 countries who their dads might be there for business. And they're from a closed country where Christians can't go. But that child hears the truth, believes it, surrenders to Jesus Christ, grows up, and what do they do? They live at home in their country. And they become a missionary. Uh, it just how God works in the world is amazing, and we are a part of that. You are a part of that. Next week we're going to have um, Ruth Gallings here, and and Ruth has been a missionary in Tijuana for well over thirty years. She's retiring, so she's coming to to us to say thank you. Thank you for supporting me. Look at what God did through, your, through, through me being your hands and feet in Tijuana. Look what he did. Lives are being changed. And in three weeks, I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Doug and Stephanie Lewis are going to be here in three weeks. And, and Doug is actually going to preach the whole message. Um, he, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna bring a message from Colossians chapter 3. And it's so appropriate that he does. See, Doug and Stephanie Lewis, Doug is a, vet, uh, a veterinarian. And, and so he's a vet missionary. How cool is that for a church in Wyoming to send a vet missionary to Africa, right? What he does is he helps the Fulani people in the Cameroon uh, with, with teaching them about animal husbandry, about, about rotating crops, about how to get better production out of your animals, how to, how to market things, etc., etc., etc. And he has his vet clinic and he treats them. And he does that. And then... Also, he teaches Bible classes and he invites them to come and be a part of that and they share the good news and through their relationships with people, God has been changing the lives of people. Now, the Cameroon, similar to the Czech Republic, is, it's like plowing concrete. I mean, it's, it's Muslim and, and it's very difficult. It's a, it's a spiritual battle, but they are fighting it and they continue to fight it today. And Doug is going to come and he's going to bring that message in, in chapter 3. And one of the things that Doug is going to talk about is, is how Paul was, was 
was reminding the people in Colossae that it is all about Jesus. Okay? It's not about adding Jesus to what you already believe. It, it's, it's about stepping away from what you believed before and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation. And he deals with that on a daily basis in a Muslim country. With, 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 their, with their, and he'll tell us all about it, but with their rituals of ancestor worship and a lot of other things that are all kind of gathered and mixed in there, you know, it's just this, oh, cool, Jesus Christ, let's bring him in and throw him in the, the mix with everything else. He's going to be able to share firsthand what that's like, and I can't wait to hear it. And what God is doing in the Cameroon through Doug and Stephanie Lewis, through you. North Hills reaches across the world with the gospel. Paul and his disciples reaching across the world with the gospel. And like many of these other countries, that I just mentioned, none of us or some of us have probably not even set foot in any of those countries yet. Yet your faithfulness to Jesus Christ is touching the lives of people in other countries. We've got to remember that. You know, it's a big deal for a missionary to pack up their family and move to another country. It's a big deal for a missionary to pack up his family and move to another county, to another city. To move from the, from the known and, the, and, and, and healthy to the unknown. And, of course, we're praying healthy. But it's going to be difficult. And, and we need to, to be lifting Sarah and Ty and their girls up as they... Uh, continue to plow the ground and, and prepare themselves and what's going to happen to plant Prairie Hills Community Church in Lusk. Every day we need to be praying for them and, and for what God's going to do and for the hearts of people and, and for our missionaries as well who are our hands and feet. Now, this letter comes to the people in Colossae. They received it for the first time. They read it from this famous stranger. They'd heard of Paul before. I'm, I'm sure Epaphras talked about him all the time, that he was in prison because of the faith and because of what he believed, and yet he refused to, to give in to that. He stood firm in the truth. And then Paul reminds the Colossians and us that there's a battle going on. There's a battle for truth and for souls. And that we must be cautious of, of infiltrators and those who would, who would like to change the truth or change the message or just sort of add the truth to what they already think. Maybe tradition. And we must be cautious not to mix our own understanding and biases with the truth of God's Word. He's going to be talking about those things as well. But this morning, we're going to make four observations just in the next 12 verses, chapters 1 through 14, or 1 through yeah, the next 12 verses, I already read the first two, 1 through 14. Uh, let's continue in verse 3. Uh, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So, so. One of the things that, that we are encouraged to do, as Paul is doing here this morning, is to pray for one another. To pray for fellow Christians and believers. 
You know, if you've ever asked the question, Lord, I want to pray, but I just don't know what to pray for. I just don't know. I want to pray for so-and-so, but I just really don't even know what I would say. Well, pay attention today and look at what Paul is praying for and, and, and pray this way. Paul prays at, at first with thankfulness. He, he's thankful for these fellow followers of Jesus Christ. He, he, he thanks God for them. Lord, thank you that these people gave their life to you. Thank you. And, and as we think of fellow believers that we know, that, that, whose lives we are a part of or they're a part of ours or they just come to mind, let's thank the Lord for them and, and for the faith that they have. In our daily times with the Lord, we can take time to thank Him for those that we know. Paul says, I thank, them every, I thank the Lord every day we pray for you because we have heard of your faith. He, he, he's thankful for their faith. For the fact that, that they believe. that The Greek word for faith here is pistis. It means a strong conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah. That that, that, that word, that that message was true. They heard it. The Spirit of God moved in their hearts and they believed it. They believed that Jesus was who He said He was and, that, and they have surrendered their lives to Him. And we can be thankful for other people as they have done that. It doesn't matter how long they've been a Christian. Lord, thank You. Thank You for, for so-and-so and the, and the faith and the belief that they have. And, and then Paul says, we are also thankful for the love You have for all the saints. You see, this faith that they had wasn't just intellectual faith. It wasn't just knowing the truth and saying, yeah, I consciously, intellectually assent to that. Yeah, I agree with that. I believe that. But, but it worked its way out in their life. It, 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 it bore fruit. You could tell that this person was a believer in Jesus Christ. I had somebody say to me this week that, that they, they've been thinking more about the fact that we are changed as believers. And he said, I ran into a couple people, one who I wouldn't have thought would even notice anything, and he asked me what church I went to. He's never had a conversation with anybody about that before, but this person noticed that they were different. And he noticed that they noticed, because he's never seen that before. He said, I have, I've never experienced that before. Yes, there, there is a change there. And, and it works its way out in our life. It, it, it pours out into the lives of other people, this, this love that, that Jesus is filling us with. And, and it, manifests, it manifests itself in so many ways uh, in treating other people with grace and mercy and forgiveness and sacrifice. It, it, it comes from the Holy Spirit through Christ. And it's an indication of the reality of the faith that we have. It's evidence. It, it's the fruit of God working in our hearts. And then Paul says something that, that I have found interesting. And maybe I'm the only one in the room that, that has been thinking this way, um, but, but we'll see. We often say that it's because of our faith and our love that we have hope. You know, it, it's, it's because of my faith in Jesus Christ that I have hope that one day life is going to be a certain way. Okay, Paul makes it very clear that that's not how he's thinking. Okay, he's not thinking in this passage that hope comes from faith and love. He says that our faith and love spring from the hope. Okay, which means, which both spring from hope, faith and love. Verse 5, spring from the hope that is stored up for us in heaven. You can find all kinds of books 
that talk about love. You can find all kinds of books that talk about faith. But in our culture today, it seems like hope kind of gets the short end of the stick. And I think it's all too often we think of hope as sort of wishful thinking or, 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 or it's some sort of luck. You know, I, I hope I win the lottery. Yeah, that, that word hope, in that it, it should never be in that sense. You know, maybe I'll have enough luck to win the lottery. Okay, I'll agree with that. But, but, but talking about hope in the way that Paul is talking about it, it is not wishful thinking. It, it's, it's based on truth. It, Paul is, is talking about this hope that we have uh, in reference to the Messiah, this, this eternal life, this, this heaven. You know, remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this message that we have and, and how important it is and how powerful it is and how explosive it is? This, this is the message that Paul is talking about. This, that's the hope. That, that is the hope. It's, it's salvation in Christ, the, the message of heaven and eternal life. And faith and love, uh, faith and love can be experiential in nature. You know, I just feel like I have the faith or I feel like I have the love or it can, it can be sort of touchy-feely. Hope, on the other hand, is, as Paul is talking about it, is the foundation. It's not based on a feeling. It's not based on a circumstance or a situation. It is as solid as heaven itself. And we can't forget that. Paul cautions us to emphasize our hope as much as we emphasize our faith and love. And the fact that that faith and love, we have those and, and they're based on this foundation of, of, of the hope we have, the, this, this future. From Parade Magazine comes the story of a self-made millionaire, Eugene Land, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. And, and he was trying to figure out what he could say that would inspire them, most of whom would never graduate from high school. They would drop out long before they graduated. He wondered how he could get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him, let alone hear him and understand his message. So he, after all of his writing and stuff, and when he, when he gets to the class, he scraps his notes. He's like, these notes aren't even going to do anything. I'm just going to speak from the heart, he says. And this is what he says. He says, stay in school. Stay in school. Because if you stay in school, I will help pay the college tuition for every one of you. And at that moment, the lives of those 59 students changed. For the first time, they had hope. They had hope for a future past graduation, whatever that would mean to them. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling, they said. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. You see, their, their actions and their presence was affected by what? The hope for the future that they had.
that's what Jesus Christ gives us, is this hope for the future. And, and this message, these words that describe the truth, Paul says, validates their faith. It, it validates their, their salvation. Paul says, you guys, if there's any question whether you guys are saved or not, based on what Epaphras has said, you guys are saved. You guys are true believers. And, 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 and there aren't just true believers in Asia Minor, but all over the world, because the gospel is bearing fruit. Paul says that right there. The gospel bears fruit. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. And isn't that good news to hear that, that, that you, you watch television and you see the news and you wonder if there's anything good happening anywhere? And then you have somebody show up on your stage from, from the Czech Republic who says, you know what, yeah, it's, it's like plowing concrete, but you know what? God's doing things in people's lives. God's working in people's lives. We need to remember that the gospel is still moving. It, it, you know, because we can get negative about the things that happen in and around our lives. It, it happens to me all, 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 often. I, I hear a criticism or I, I hear about the fracture of a relationship or I hear about a tragedy of some kind and, and my confidence and hope for the future begin to sort of recede. And, and I begin to ask the question, well, is there any good thing? Is there any good thing happening? And, and I have to be reminded. I, the, the Lord has to expand my mind and remind me, which is what Paul's doing for these Colossians, because I'm sure it's difficult for them to stand strong as believers when the world that they live in, this is a brand new thing. And, and probably the majority of the world that they live in do not believe this and are opposed to it. We must not forget that God is working in a powerful way all over. Todd and Lance are going to get back from Haiti and they're going to, they're going to have stories of amazing things that God did. And we need to remember that. That God is working. I, I've heard testimonies just in the last couple of weeks from, from people around, uh, around here from within our congregation of the fruit of the gospel in people's lives. The gospel is bearing fruit and we can pray specifically with thankfulness for, for one another as Paul did for the Colossians. And we need to remember that the gospel is indeed bearing fruit. And can, and we can and we must pray to God on behalf of one another. Paul continues in verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great abundance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. And this is so practical for us today because we can pray for each other the same way that Paul is praying for the, the Christians in Colossae. We can pray that God would fill them with knowledge. Lord, pray that, that Joe would be filled with, with your knowledge and, and, and that, that within that knowledge he would, be, he would be given wisdom and understanding for how he lives his life every day. And, and Lord, would you, would you pray for Ty? And I, I pray that, but, that, that, that you would help Ty to live a life worthy of the Lord. 
Not, not Lord, I, I, I'm so thankful that, that I'm not a sinner like Ty Desenvance. Or, or, Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful that I am more worthy than he is. Or, or Lord, he is such a, just a terrible guy. He, he needs to be worthy of you. Change him. That's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about praying on behalf of someone because God wants something good in their life. A, a prayer of grace and love. Oh, Father, please give Ty the strength to honor you in all things that he does in his life. And, and I would trust that, that, that he's praying the same for me, that we are praying for one another in this way. Please give him words to stand strong in the face of opposition. Please give so-and-so what they need in their life to live worthy for you wherever they are. And, and let's pray for one another that we will please Him in every way. That we will please Him in every way. That, that our lives will, in fact, bear fruit. That, that we would be free from selfishness and, and evil intentions. And that on a, a daily basis, our, our fellow believers would be growing in knowledge of God. That they would be strengthened. That their faith and love and hope would flourish, no matter what. That, 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 that their spiritual muscles would grow strong. Pray that, that they would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might so that they may have great endurance and patience, Paul says. We can, we can pray that for each other. Let's pray that way for one another. And, and, and finally, that one another would be able to joyfully give thanks to the Father for all that we have in life. These are roots that will stand the test of time and circumstance. So let's hold one another up in prayer every day, specifically praying on one another's behalf as Paul has encouraged us to do as he prayed for those in Colossae. And finally this morning, but central and foundational to Paul in every letter that he has written, his letter to the Colossians, as we will see over and over and over and over and over again, and that's that we are qualified by Christ. We aren't qualified by those good things and those things that we do that are worthy of God. We don't do those things in order to be saved. Those things become a part of our life and we do those things because we are, because God is changing us from the inside out. He is the one that qualifies us. He is the one that justifies us. He has provided for our redemption and for our forgiveness. Jesus has done that. He paid the price with his life. He died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God and right now he's preparing a place for you and for me. Now think about that. What a cool place that's going to be. I just, I, this morning it kind of struck me. It's like Jesus is preparing a man cave for me, right? He went to prepare a place. His mansion has many rooms, right? Why can't one of them be a man cave? He cares for me. He cares for you. He cares for us. He, he's, he's, he's working on our behalf. Really, every day of life, He is working on our behalf. And, and then joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Let's continue to expose ourselves to the truth. There'll be some more challenging things as we go through the letter, but Paul right off the bat is saying, man, you guys, I've heard about your faith and I'm encouraged by it. 
Let's be encouraged by one another's faith and let's encourage and pray for one another as we live in our world today and that we would have roots that would serve one another, that would strengthen our faith and our love and our hope. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this letter of Colossians, a letter that was for those people and for us from a stranger, one, one who we've not met. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts as we hear and we see what you're doing all over the world through the gospel, that it is bearing fruit and that, that you are using us to be a part of that. Father, when we begin to get discouraged, help us to, to, to look at that, that, that sense of hopelessness and say, you know what? No, my faith and my love is based on the hope of salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ because He was who He said He was. And it's in His power that my life is changing. Lord, as we end this service, as we go into this week, we worship You with this final song. We thank You for the truth of the words of it. In Jesus' name, amen.